one of the things I'm trying to get this church to understand is that when when you provide opportunities and times where people can get the the the, the know-how that they can get their answers their questions answered a lot of times when you present it people don't take advantage of it and then weeks later they tell me well pastor I got a question and so my my, my uh, frustration as a pastor that's been in the game nine years going on ten is that sometimes when you offer stuff and people don't take advantage of it but then want it on their own time five weeks later it, it slows me down because now I got to go back and reteach one person when I already taught that amen so I need you to get that if you don't mind all right do me a favor can y'all move up please I don't know why y'all scattered like that that I, we family come on up come on up come on up if it's a seat in front of you that's empty come on up praise the Lord amen thank you so much appreciate y'all all right um, get your Bibles let's go to Romans the 12th chapter verse number one Romans the 12th chapter verse number one Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one. Tonight I'm starting a series, um, still dealing with discipleship, but I'm dealing with one aspect of discipleship. And so tonight I'm dealing with renewing the mind, and this is going to be part one of renewing the mind, all right? Uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number one and two. Very familiar text. You've heard it many times, um, but I want to kind of uh, let this be the springboard for where we're going on tonight. Um, now, I want to kind of set the scenario up. Whenever I start something new, I typically teach in this format. I want you to hear this because I'm noticing this about my own teaching. When I start something new, the first lesson is always foundational. So I will always build upon what I taught on that first setting, okay? So on tonight, it's going to be very teachery, but you're going to need the information for where I'm springboarding us and where the Lord is taking us in the Word of God, all right? So I want to kind of lay a foundation on tonight. Uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse number 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed everybody say transform by the renewing of your mind look at your neighbor say you need your mind renewed amen they didn't like that look at them again and say you 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 got some crazy thinking amen you need your mind renewed all right uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then everybody say then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right? I want to um, give you a quote, and I need you to hear this. Um, don't worry about writing this down. Uh, I want you to hear this because I need you to get this in your understanding. John Piper said this, okay? Um, it's going to be rough, okay? Just letting y'all know on the front end of this, it's going to be rough on tonight, okay? John Piper says this. We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. Let me say that one more time. Yeah, what a way to start, right? We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. He said useless. That's some strong words right there. Watch this. If we spend all our time imitating the world, adapting to the world, emulating worldly ways, 
and ultimately obeying the world, it means that we cannot be effectively used as disciples of Jesus Christ. There is no way possible that you can be effective in the kingdom of God, that you can be a true disciple while imitating the world. There is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, between Christians and non-Christians. There's a difference in how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to treat one another, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to talk, how we're supposed to walk, how we're supposed to serve, how we're supposed to give, how we're supposed to love. There is supposed to be a difference between those who know Jesus and those who do not. And the problem in the body of Christ, in this church, in the church universal, is not the fact of you got crooked preachers. The problem in the body of Christ is not the fact that you got this one over here and that one over there. The problem in the body of Christ in today's church is the church wants to be the world. I told you it's going to be rough. It's going to get better after a while. Because God says that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed in the renewing of our mind so that we will be able to pass the test. And watch this. The Lord said this to me, and I need to say this to you. Sometimes our inability of knowing the will of God for our lives is tied to our inability to go through the process of mind renewal. The scripture you just read said you will never understand, discern, uh, ascertain the will of God for your life if your mind don't get renewed. So no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you fast, no matter how much you shout, no matter how much you serve, if your mind don't get renewed, you will never know the will of God for your life. It takes a mind change. Everybody say a mind change. He goes on to say, John Piper says this, and the key to not wasting our lives with this kind of success and prosperity, Paul says, is being transformed. So what is the renewal of the mind? What is the renewal of the mind? What does that mean to renew your mind? Um, I want to kind of set this up, and I'm going to go kind of slow. So if you don't get it, say, Pastor, back it up, all right? Um, and if you're on a slow bus, we, your neighbor help you. Praise the Lord, all right? When a person surrenders their life to Jesus Christ and becomes a believer, they are totally and immediately transformed, watch this, or regenerated. Now, what's regeneration? I taught on this. What's regeneration? Regenerated means the new birth. It is a spiritual, holy, and heavenly birth that results in our being made alive spiritually. Okay? So... When we believe in Jesus Christ, we are totally and immediately regenerated in our spirit. God saves your spirit. You are changed in your spirit. You are made alive. You are dead in trespasses and sins. You are made alive in Christ. You are regenerated when you accept Jesus Christ. Your spirit got saved, but your mind didn't. This is how, ladies and gentlemen, that you can get saved and not change. 
because change does not happen only because you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after you give your heart, you got to give them your mind. And I got a question for the saints of God, because y'all real quiet on me tonight. The question is, what's on your mind? This is what happens. So the Holy Spirit takes a residence in the spirit of the person, and the person becomes the child, a child of God. But the mind of the person or their thinking process does not change so immediately. How many can remember when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you felt good, but ain't much changed? <laughs> I mean, you cried on the altar. You, you know, you felt goose pimples. You know, you felt, you know, real good, but there were still some things in, in your mind that did not change even after salvation, okay? You know, we, in the old church, they say, you know, uh, look at my hands, and my hands look new. Look at my feet, and my feet did too. Mm, biggest lie. Because if you had a corn on your foot before salvation, you still had a corn on your foot after salvation, Look at your neighbor and say, some stuff's still there. Mm-hmm. And you, can, you can't hokomoshi it off. You can't clear out the row and get it off you. It takes a mind renewal. You literally got to go through a mind change. You have to let God change your mind. And what happens? What happens? What happens? How does this happen? Because it doesn't happen immediately. When believers are initiated uh, when they give their life to Jesus Christ, now you go through something that we've taught about, and this is why I'm building on what we already taught. Watch this. Now, after you have been regenerated, what happens after regeneration? What's that? What is it? Come on, progressive sanctification. Y'all better know this word. I done taught it. <laughs> progressive sanctification. After being regenerated, now you have to go through the process of progressive uh, sanctification. Positionally sanctification, you already there because you accepted Jesus Christ. But now you got to go through the process. Everybody say the process. Progressive sanctification where there is a daily spiritual renewal that happens when we self-dedicate and surrender to God for us to be changed. God ain't going to change you. You have to surrender yourself to him in order for you to be changed. We make, we, and how does this happen? We have to make the word of God a priority. I taught this to you. We have to reckon ourselves dead to sin, and we have to yield our bodies to God. I said yield our bodies to God. I said yield our bodies to, I, I said yield our bodies to God. Our bodies. You know your mouth is part of your body, right? You know that tongue is part of, part of that body? Mm -hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, yield your body. Your entire body. Uh-huh, yeah. The reactions, the facial expressions. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yield your body. Yeah. All of you. So when we are being sanctified, it is directed by the Holy Spirit, watch this, with the purpose that our soul, man. Now, what's our soul? Anybody know what the soul is? It's three parts. What's the soul? Mine will and emotions 
all right? When you talk about the soul of a person, that is your mind, your will, and your emotions. When you talk about your soul, uh, it's mind, will, and emotions. This is the danger because a lot of times when you say, the Lord saved my soul, no, he didn't really say your soul, he saved your spirit. Your soul got to go through the process of sanctification. Your mind, your will, your emotions got to go through sanctification. Somebody say, help me, Lord. Yeah, your mind, your will, your emotions have to be sanctified. That ain't fun. That ain't fun. Because I think a certain way. My emotions are set to a certain uh, uh, <laughs> temperature. My will, I've been doing it my way all this time. You mean now, I, Adam, you know, gave my life to Jesus Christ? I thought if I gave my life to Jesus Christ, you know, everything would be wonderful. I didn't know I had to change something. You mean I have to give up control? You mean I got to give up control? I mean, I've been, I've been driving this bus all my life, you know? I mean, I've run into the ditch a couple of times, but you know, I've been, I've been, you know, I got this. You know, I got this under control, you know? I know, I know I went through a little depression, but you know, I got this. I, I could do this. I got this, you know? I got in the wrong relationship, but you know, I got this. You mean to tell me now I got to give up all this control over to God that he can control my mind, my will, and my emotions? Tap your neighbor and say, yes, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. You got to give it all to him. Your mind, your will, your emotions, everything has to be given to him so that you can experience, watch this the same transformation that the spirit man has, has experienced your spirit man has already been changed but your soul man is still the same if you was a cussing wonder before salvation Declares to help us, O oh Lord. That's our prayer on the night. Help us, O oh Lord. And the battlefield of where all this happens is in your mind. The battlefield that all this is fought out is in your mind. You mean my boss ain't my problem? No. You mean the family member that got on my last nerve? You mean my ex ain't the problem? You mean it ain't the people who get on my nerves when I'm trying to drive to work and I'm late and they don't know I'm late? That is why Romans tells us that we are to be renewed in our minds. And the word, the Bible uh, translate for that word renewed uh, in Romans the 12th chapter verse number 2 means, watch this, to make new again. When it says to be renewed, it means to make new again. In order for a person to become all that God has designed for them uh, to be, their mind must be made new again, must be refashioned, must be changed according to God's original design. You got to change. I have to change. We got to change. What good is it for you to be saved to stay the same? How short of a salvation is that? that I got saved enough for me to go to heaven, but I didn't get saved to the place where I changed everything about me. Can I tell you something? One of the best feelings in the world is when somebody who knew you back then can look at you now and say, wow. 
See, that's why sometimes you need to celebrate the people that you sit next to in church. Because if you knew who they were 5, 10, 20 years ago, uh, you would just tear the whole church up with giving God praise. But is there anybody in here that say, I don't need my neighbor to even celebrate. I'm going to celebrate what God has done in my life. Is there anybody here that say, he done brought me a mighty long way. If you knew who I used to be and who I am today, I give God glory because he brought me a mighty. I said a mighty. <laughs> I said a mighty. Okay, let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 22. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 22. I got to lay a foundation tonight. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 22. Amen. Remember, this is Bible study. Ain't no harm in going to the table of contents. Amen. That's the only way you're going to learn the word of God and where it's at. Ain't no shame up in here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Verse number 22. If you have it, say amen. amen. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23. To be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 23, to be made new. Everybody say new. In the attitude of your mind. The word new or made new right there, uh, or some of your translations might say renewed, okay? It, it means, watch this, this thing, Erica, this thing messed me up so bad. That translation right there means, catch this, to be made young again. Now, I'm 39 years old, and, um, you know, when I was 21, and I got up out the bed, I just got up, you know. Now, I hear stuff when I'm getting up out the bed. Um, I know, you know, I know this is young, ch young church, y'all think y'all gonna be fine as wine forever, but... Um, there's some people in here that could tell you uh, when you start getting older and getting them birthdays, stuff start going south. Stuff, you know, stuff that used to work don't work as good no more. Stuff that worked perfectly don't work at all. And 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 one thing, I, I was telling somebody, I said, you know, you know, I'm trying to work out, trying to stay fit, and trying to stay, you know. Because the reality is, sometimes you're trying to relive a day that ain't never coming back again. Because um, no matter how, you know, you could put, you know, the eye cream around your eyes. You know black don't crack, but, you know, you could try to take care of everything that you want to. But the reality is, you ain't going back. You know, them days of 21, 22, 17, they ain't coming back. That, that ain't coming back around. It's over, Right. You just got to accept what God allowed and move forward, right? And so, you know, and just thank God that, you know, you don't look as bad as you could. Okay. Okay. And so this translation, make new again, messed me up because it says that you are to be made young again in the attitude of your minds. It is the process. Watch this. This thing messed me up. Lord, help me to teach this. It is the process of recovery 
from the old man in its natural effects uh, of decay that comes from fleshly lust. That's heavy. It means that when you are made new, when you renew your mind, it literally means, catch this, that you are going through the recovery process of what your flesh got you in. Come on, Lauren. You in the recovery process of having a major surgery. And after you go through, when you're going through the recovery process, it's going to bless some of y'all. The doctor did the surgery, but now you got to do the work in order for you to operate the way you're supposed to operate. And sometimes they make, they have to hurt you in order to make you better. And the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because your mind is being renewed because you got to go through the recovery process of the foolishness that was done to you in your childhood, in your teen years, the stuff that happened that you got yourself into. Is there anybody here that say, I need to, I know I'm going through recovery because I had some crazy thinking. I had some things that got down in my spirit that jacked me up and messed me up. But thanks be unto God that I could be made new, that he's taken me all the way back. You in the recovery process in your mind. This thing messed me up. You in the recovery process in your mind. Watch this. See, when God is renewing your mind, sometimes he has to disconnect some people on purpose because they are connected to you because they are inflicting something that God trying to deliver you from. You in the recovery process. And here's what I've discovered. If you don't go through the recovery process, you don't heal. You don't, you don't heal properly. God is saying, for you to be renewed in your mind, you got to go through the recovery process. Yes, it's going to hurt. Yes, you're going to cry. Yes, it's going to be hard. But guess what? God says, I'm going to take you all the way back and undo what was done to you. God, I thank you for that. I'm going to go in your mind and what used to hurt and what was painful and what had you bogged down. God said, I'm going to heal you of it and heal you to the place that even if you see it again, it don't even bother you anymore. I need to know, is there anybody here on tonight that say, God, take me through the recovery process because I refuse to be bound by this stuff any longer. See, you and I need to recover from the effects of what our flesh has done to us. So your mind regains the innocence of its youth and is renovated in the strength every day. Watch this. Do you remember the you before you were corrupted by your own choices? Is this too heavy for y'all tonight? I know I'm coming out swinging, but this is heavy. Do you remember you before you were influenced by the dictates of your flesh? You remember the you before you met them? I was such a nicer person back then. Remember the you when you had got your first job? Mm. Remember the you before you were wounded by the hurts and pains of life that left, that, that the hurts and pains that were left on your mind, watch this, and memory? Isn't it amazing how you can go through something and the memories of it can be tainted? That once you used to look back and you had joy over it, and now that you done went through something, now you got pain over it. Same memory, but it changed. And God is saying, I have to take you back to your youth. I have to recover you from all that. But it happens when I, watch this, when I renew your mind. 
God says, when you get your mind renewed, you get to the place of your youth. See, I know you've been renewed when what used to hurt don't hurt no more. I know you've been renewed in your mind when what used to give you a headache no longer affects you. God, I thank you for that. Because God says, I have to renew your mind to the place that the pain, the, the infliction, the, the, the hurt that was put on you is not even there anymore. So I have to renew your mind. Come here. Let me talk to you. I have to renew your mind over what happened between you and your father. I have to renew your mind over what happened between you and your last church. Because if your mind don't get renewed, all you do is carry pains to the next place. I have to renew your mind. See, I'm not going to send Boaz, because if I sent Boaz right now, all you would do is bleed on him. Because you haven't healed yet. So I got to renew your mind to let you know you are a full woman without having anybody on your arm. I need your mind to be renewed. I need your mind to re be renewed. Bro, I need your mind to be renewed. Mm -hmm. Why is renewal of the mind so important? Here we go. We're going to write some notes. Why is renewal of the mind so important? I got I to dig this out. Why is, the, why is renewal of the mind so important? Why do you need your mind renewed? Why is it so important to have your mind renewed? Why is it so important? Number one, it is important because our thinking determines our behavior. Our thinking determines our behavior. Our thinking determines our behavior. It didn't just happen, you thought it. It starts in your head. didn't just you know come together watch this because this is what this this is what this generation teaches you it wasn't fate it was in your head mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah I got to dispel some stuff watch this that's why the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart so is he because your thinking determines what you do you ready for this this is real heavy. You thought your way into debt. You thought your way into that relationship. They ain't just end up in your bed. I don't know how they got here. And if you're a woman, you thought a little, a little harder than the man. Y'all don't want no truth tonight, but I'm going to give it to you anyhow. You thought your way into that. Little poo-poo here now. You thought your way into poo-poo. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, you thought your way into that. Let me tell you how, how powerful your thoughts are. You ready for this? You thought your way into salvation. I ain't pull you up to the altar and lay hands on you and say, receive salvation. You had to think your way into salvation. You thought your way into church tonight. You saw them clouds. 
You done worked all day. And you had to make up your mind. Am I going to go? Or do I go home? I was at home. It's thundering and lightning real bad. I'm trying to, you know, get ready. Sadie right there working my last nerve because she's scared of the lightning. And I said, hmm. I wonder if Winchell got a word to him tonight. <laughs> and I thought to myself, no, I got to go teach the people of God. Because thinking determines your behavior. You didn't just lose it. You lost your way to cussing them out. You thought your way into that. You thought your way on how you was going to get them together. You had the whole scenario before you even opened up your mouth. Number two, renewal of the mind is important because thoughts affect our motives, which will be judged by God. Thoughts affect our motives, which will be judged by God. Thoughts affect our motives, which will be judged by God. I'm going to lay this out. Thoughts affect our motives, which will be judged by God. Go to 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28. Old Testament. 1 Chronicles 28, verse number 9. 1 Chronicles 28. 1 Chronicles 28. Lord, help our minds. 1 Chronicles 28, verse number 9. have a say amen as for you my son Solomon know that know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind for the Lord look at this part searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thought. That is the New American Standard Bible version of that, all right? Watch this. What he's saying here is that the searcher of hearts, which is God, will at once see through, watch this, an insincere or half-hearted half obedience. Okay. God looks at our thoughts and discerns sincerity and truth. Because here's what I've discovered. You ready? You can deceive everybody else. You ready for this? This is even deeper. You can even deceive yourself. But you can never deceive God. Because he is a searcher of our thoughts. He knows the intent behind the thought. Ain't that a mess? God checks our motives to see if our heart is in the right place or not. So let me, let me dig that out even deeper. Watch this. 
if he if thoughts affect our motives which will be judged by God watch this then God knows the difference between hear this a struggle and a lifestyle struggle says I really want to do better lifestyle says this is just the way it is so when you sign up to something that is not godly God is saying watch this I don't judge your struggle I judge lifestyle see the difference between the two and God is so discerning that he knows the difference between the thoughts even if you don't so while you telling yourself you got love in your heart for everybody self-deception God can pull that back and really see the hatred that's in your heart and says clean that up right there okay y'all get real quiet so now I got to make an example God knows watch this when that person walks in the room and you get that feeling on the inside of you God says that's it right there not the Hey, how you doing? He knows what's really going on behind the scenes. I know you don't want to tell the truth, but um, have you ever had to play like you like somebody? Let me tell you about the church context, because the church context adds another layer to that, because, you know, you're supposed, because in, in, in the church context, you're supposed to love everybody, and you're supposed to get along with everybody. So we come to church, and, and we fake it. Watch this. And we, hey, and then we send a text message while we're sitting in church. And God says, you know I see all that, right? You might have them fooled. And you might even deceive yourself. But God says you will never deceive me. Because I know the intent behind it. I can discern what's really going on. I can pull back the covers of, a, of the facade and see what's really there. And God says, because I can see what's really there, that's why I need it renewed. Just lift one hand and say, help us, Jesus. All right. Let's go deeper. Number three, renewal of the mind is important. Because sin stems from evil thinking. Sin stems from evil thinking. Matthew 15, verse number 18. Sin stems from evil thinking. Matthew 15, verse number 18. Y'all all right? All right, amen's going down. Matthew 15, verse number 18. All right, you have a say amen? Matthew 15, verse number 18 and 19. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's, that's what defiles you. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, thief, lying, and slander. Watch this. Do you know that we sin 
in our hearts, in our minds. Heart and mind is synonymous with each other in, in Scripture. So a lot of times when you see the word heart, it actually means mind. Okay? Um, we sin in our hearts, in our minds, before we sin in behavior. That's why Jesus taught, even if you have looked at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery. Y'all remember that scripture? Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Um, because the potential to sin comes from the mind. It starts in your mind. Every sin that we commit started in the mind. And so the battlefield for overcoming it has to be in the mind. Can I talk to my single people just for a minute? Um, single people. I think we're going to have to do a better job with addressing how we think when it comes to those moments when we feel alone. Okay. Because Sometimes you don't like them that much. It's just the fact that you're all by yourself. Because that's why you can see them later and say, well, you know, their eye was crooked and their teeth was chipped and all this other stuff. Well, all that was there before, but because your mind was so on the fact that you was by yourself, that you became obsessed with it, that you altered your vision just to fit your need. Loneliness can wear on you when you ain't got nobody. Watch this. All right, I'm off of you, single people. I'll come back again. Um, your desires and drive is conceived in your mind before it is produced in your life. So here's what I've discovered. The more you think about it, the more you want it. The more it's on your mind, the more it consumes you. So it is getting control of the mind, getting a renewed mind in order to stop the drives and the desires or that we have that are not godly. Okay? We are going to have to figure out, and I'm going to, I'm going to teach this to you. I can't teach it to you tonight. Uh, I'm going to be teaching this over the next three weeks. How to get control of those wayward thoughts because a lot of times we tell ourselves well I can't, contr can't control what I think that's not true you can get you can take control of every thought okay that's why he says casting down imaginations okay because you are getting control of your thought life but watch this it is in your mind that your desires and your drives come from so you are going to watch this renew your mind so that you get your desires and your drives in check because let's be real. It's going to be a real night tonight, y'all. Let's be real. Some of us are so lazy until our drive kicks in for what we want. And then we are unstoppable. Don't stand in between you and a crab tray. You understand what I'm saying? I'm making fun of it, but let's be real. When you want what you want, 
you will fixate it onto the place and obsess over it that you can build a drive that's so strong that you will not let anybody stand in your way, even God. Okay. Uh, number four, the renewal of the mind is important because our thoughts are exposed by God's word. Our thoughts are exposed by God's words. Renewal of the mind is important because our thoughts are exposed by God's word. God's word takes your thoughts and just slices them up. Can I tell y'all something? Sunday, we, uh, we did that message, and I, you know, I had three points, and I only got the one point. The first point, I couldn't even get off that first point. And uh, that spiritually conceived versus fleshly contrived thing, that thing messed me up so bad. I went home, and I just had to just digest over that over and over again. Because when the word really hits you, you will hold on to it, and it'll be playing in your ear at the most inopportune times. It'll just, I mean, you just sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, you hear my voice. <laughs> or you think about what was said, and it, it grips you to the place. Watch this that it exposes who you are. Watch this. Go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 12. Let me show this to you. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 12. Very familiar text, but I want to lift something up out of this. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 12. Hebrews 4, verse number 12. Hebrews 4, verse number 12. If you have it, say amen. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For the, word of, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Watch what it does. Cutting between soul and spirit. Do you see that? Okay, let me stop because it's not in my notes, but I need to lay this out. The word of God is powerful to the point that it cuts between soul, spirit. What's your soul again? The word of God cuts between your soul and your spirit. Watch this. Because if you don't get the word of God, you will intertwine the two together and think you're all right. See, that's why you need the word of God. That's why you need the preacher. I know, I know this is the day and time where you get your own word. You go on YouTube, get you a little word from somebody that don't know you, and they could tell you how wonderful and great you are, and, and then you can still live in rebellion. But the problem with that is that God set this church thing up that you can uh, come to a place where you get united with a pastor who knows you. At least, watch this, even if you don't have a conversation, God is so awesome, he'll download stuff in me that I don't know what it got to do with, and I'll say it in service. you would be like, you was talking to me today, and I'll be like, for real? Well, bless God. <laughs> I didn't know that, but okay. Watch this. Because when the word comes forth, it separates your soul and your spirit. Because there should be no confusion that your soul and your spirit should be intertwined to the place that everything is all right. Watch this. Cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why, why does it do that? Why is, why, does, why is the word 
um, powerful like that. Watch this. Because the word is truth. Everybody say that. The word is truth. Say that one more time. The word is truth. The word will lay open the secret feelings of our soul. The word digs down into the stuff you have not said. The word will confront you about stuff that don't nobody know is going on. That's why I'm a big proponent. I'm a big proponent of not always shouting you. Because sometimes shouting you is a delete button. What did pastor preach about? I don't know, but it was so good. No, sometimes I need you to sit there. Sometimes, watch this, you need to get a word one day that is so powerful that it makes you mad. It makes you so mad you want to fall out with me. Walk around with a little attitude. Hey, pastor. Why? Because the word, watch this, write this down. The word brings conviction, conversion, and sanctification. The word brings conviction, conversion, and sanctification. The word brings conviction, conversion, and sanctification. What's conviction? Anybody else? That's correct, but keep on going. What is conviction? When your spirit grieves, correction, what'd you say? In what sense? Okay. Gotcha. Okay. What's conversion? Change. Do you see that? Catch that. What did I say the word brings? Number one is what? Conviction and then conversion. The problem is we are trying to get converted without conviction. How are you going to change but you don't feel like there's nothing wrong you doing? Watch this. So you talk to people in your kind of way but you don't see nothing wrong with it. You inconsistent with your faithfulness to God but you don't see nothing wrong with that. I can pick up the ministry, put it down. I can come when I want to, not come. I can do what I want, say what I want, and watch this, and I don't feel like nothing wrong. And then you say, Lord, change me. How? Because you haven't, watched this, conviction agreed with God. Because that's what conviction is. It means I agree with what God said. I'm doing this wrong. And he says, number one, you got to be convicted, then you are converted. And then, watch this, after you are converted, change, then you go to what? Sanctification. Watch this, the process. Catch this, catch this, catch this. Notice this process has nothing to do with you coming to the altar, falling out one good time. I love it. I, listen, I love the antics of church. Fall out and listen, I fell out many times. Slain in spirit, put the sheet over me. But the only way that my life changed is I had to work out the process of it. The only way I could love people that I really could not stand, I had to work out the process of it. And watch this, and what the process looked like. Lord, I really don't like so-and-so. Help me with that. And you know what the Lord do? The Lord will then set them up to where they will get on, they will be right next to you all the time. 
because you said you wanted to change. And what God starts to show you is, hey, they ain't the one with the problem. You are. Lord, help me on this job. Everybody get on my nerves. Well, God says, well, then how am I going to use you? If you got distance with everybody on your job, how are you going to be light and darkness and you just as dark as them? So I'm going to make them get on your nerves even more. Because one day you're going to spark your fire and become light in darkness. One day they're going to try to get on your last nerve. You're going to be sitting there smiling like, this don't even affect me no more. Watch this. The word brings conviction, conversion, and sanctification because truth, watch this. This is the second part of this. I need you to hear this. The Lord said this to me, and this like, this totally messed me up. Because truth does not, uh, does not adapt or become suited to you. You adapt and change to the truth. This is the day of subjective truth. You know, depending on the kind of news you want, you turn to a certain channel. You pro-Trump, you turn to. If you anti-Trump, you turn to MSNBC. And if you don't know how you feel, CNN. <laughs> but depending on who's telling it determines the truth. It's subjective truth now. Now, it, it is not a truth that is absolute. It's, it's now the truth. It's, watch this, and here's what the, here's what the world tell you to do, because you're not supposed to conform to the world. Here's what the world tell you to do. You ready for this? Came to bust this all up. Live your truth. You ready? You ain't supposed to be living your truth anyway. Because you ain't got no truth. You know you're deceitful. You know the Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked. So what truth is going to be there? Because you're going to have one truth this hour, and then you have another truth another hour. You know how I know? You ever talk to somebody who at one point couldn't stand so-and-so, and now they best friends? Somebody say subjective truth. You change based upon how you feel. Okay? Watch this. Truth does not adapt or become suited to you. You become adapt or, or change to the truth. That's why we reject truth in this day and time. Because the only way that truth becomes true is that you must adapt to it. But the word, the truth of the word, will expose the defective thinking in our minds and bring us to a place that we must face the truth so that we can change. Okay? All right. Let me go to the next section. What is the state of man's mind apart from Christ? What is the state of man's mind apart from Christ? We're going we're gonna to answer this question. What is the state of, my, of man's mind apart from Christ? What was your mind like when you didn't know Jesus? Okay. Um, what, was my, what was my thinking like without Jesus? Crazy. It was crazy. Inconsistent just all over the place. Okay. Um, our mind apart from Christ, watch this, is in an unredeemed state. It is an unredeemed state. So let's go back to our definition. What does redeem mean? To, 
to pay for a purchase. Okay. What else? Remember, wasn't it three definitions for redeem? Okay. What was what was one of them? Go back in your notes. What is redemption? Redeem. I gave you three definitions for it. Yes. Yes. To loose and set free. That means your mind before Christ ain't loose or set free. It's bound. So your thinking will be bound. How you process stuff will be bound. You will see everything through a bound state. Watch this. So our mind apart from Christ is an unredeemed state. Number one, write this down. What is the state of man's mind apart from Christ? Number one, the unredeemed mind is defiled. Defiled. Number one, defiled. Go to Titus chapter 1, verse number 15. Titus chapter 1, verse number 15. Are y'all getting something from this tonight? Titus 1. 15. Titus 1, verse number Titus 1, verse number 15. You have it say amen. amen. To the pure, all things are pure. But those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and conscience are corrupted. The word corrupted, or in some translations, you have the word defile there. It means our minds are, listen to this, stained or polluted. Okay? Defilement of the mind means that the thoughts, wishes, purposes, activities of a person are all stained and polluted. And what happens is that our moral consciousness brings up, catch this, when I look this word up, this thing messed me up. I need you to hear this. Because um, what he's saying here is your mind before Christ is so polluted that what ends up happening is your moral conscience will do this. Your moral conscience brings up the memory of the past with omissions. In other words, you keep looking back, but you omit the parts that are awful. You, you look back at what you used to do. Ooh, we got so turned up then. You know, 20, 2001 was my year. 99 going into the, okay. <laughs> but you jump over the fact that even after you was lit, you had the hangover. You jump over the fact that, oh, my best days were way back then, and, and you didn't know how to hold $2 together. 
you jump over the fact of the hurt and the pain that you had to go through and endure. And so we clean up. Um, I, I told somebody, we have revisionist histories now. We go back and change what it was to make it not be as bad as it was. Because we don't want to admit to ourselves that our past was really that jacked up. We want to look at it and say, oh, it was just so wonderful and so great. You, okay, y'all don't believe me? Let somebody die. And at the funeral, everybody talking about how good they was. And you looking like... Because we are masters at having revisionist histories for ourselves. We know how to take our lives and scrub it up real good to make it look better than what it was. But the reality is, if you're going to be a saint, you better look at all the hell and the junk that you came through and say, that was jacked up, that was messed up, and I'll never go back to that because to be in Christ is better than what I left. See, that's the problem. Because the saints love to scrub up their history to make it a whole lot better than it was. No, you came out of a hellacious place. You came out of the depth and the muck and the mire. You came from depression. You came, okay, let me come in your house. You came from dysfunction. You were raised by dysfunction. You were surrounded by dysfunction. Grandma was so sweet. She was just so sweet. She was just, oh, she was, she was sweet to you. We know how to scrub up stuff real good to make it look better than what it was. And the reason why we don't change is because we want to revise history to clean it up to make it better so that now, now because we done came out of it, now we think we, it's over. Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus might be in your heart, but your grandfather is still in your bones. And you need your mind renewed. You need your mind renewed. You need your mind renewed. Because you're going to get married and still be dysfunctional. You're going to have a bunch of children and all of them are going to be dysfunctional. Because you can only teach what you know. You're going to be dysfunctional. Help, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Change churches. You're going to be dysfunctional over there too. You don't find this magical place. Oh, I got me, I'm in a new job and everything gonna be wonderful. No. If you was a hellraiser on that job, you're gonna be a hellraiser on this job. Just give it a little time. Everybody stained. Everybody say stained. Stain. Polluted. Stain. All right, watch this. Um, you, you omit your past. So it forgets the pain and bondage of the past and gives permission to live without restraints in the future. You don't look at the, the pain and what you went through. So it gives you freedom now. Watch this. You know, this is the Freedom Church. So it gives you freedom now to live without restraints. Okay? So it allows us to live in error, be cruel, heartless, unkind, and selfish without a disregard of others. When the mind is defiled, then the safeguard of the soul is, break, is broken down. The man and woman of a defiled mind is self-satisfied, hard, unrepentant, and unremorseful to the, to the end. So God is saying, you got to change your mind. You got to change your mind. Number two, the unredeemed mind is blinded. Is blinded. 
unredeemed mind is blinded. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 4, verse number 3. If you have a say amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Okay, now let me set this up. Paul is actually writing this. And what Paul is doing in this text, he's doing the opposite of what happened to him. You, do you remember when Paul was on the Damascus Road and Jesus shined a light on him? And what happened? He went blind, okay? The light of the glory of Christ blinded Paul's physical eyes. Watch this, but opened the eyes of his heart so that he could see Jesus for who he really was. Because remember, Paul was the one that was crucifying, uh, persecuting the, the, the believers, killing saints left and right. Jesus interrupts him on the Damascus Road. He shines so bright that it blinds Paul. And finally, Paul can see Jesus for who he is. Watch this. Now what Paul is doing is he's doing the opposite. He's showing you the opposite of what that is. This, this is, um, he's saying, instead of opening the eyes of the mind, Satan blinds their mind and their spiritual vision, leaving their physical vision intact. It means, watch this, that when your mind is not renewed, your physical vision is intact, but your spiritual vision is not there. Let me, let me dig this out. This is deep. It means you are blinded to the fact that in spite of what life looks like, God has still been good to you. So you can't rejoice because you're looking at everything through your physical eyes, but you refuse to see what's happening in the spirit. In, my, in the physical, I might not have a lot of money, but in the spiritual, I got more than I ever needed. See, that's the problem with the saints is that we keep looking through the eyes of the flesh, but we don't see the eyes of the spirit. When you see the eyes of the spirit, you can see I might be single, but I'm still happy. My bills are paid and God is taking care of me. You got to get to a place where you can see stuff in the spirit and not in the natural. Because if I look in the natural, I'll be depressed. If I look in the natural, I'll go crazy. If I look in the natural, I'll go to my job tomorrow and quit. But when I look in the spirit, I see that God is building my life to be something bigger than what it is and eyes have not seen and ears have not heard either has it into the heart of man the great things that God has in store ask your neighbor what eyes are you looking through what eyes are you looking through because if you look in the natural you'll go crazy but if you look in the spiritual honey I got more than I ever needed is there anybody in here that say I ain't got time to look in the natural I'm looking in the spiritual and see that God is doing a great work in my life even though what I see in the natural look at the natural, you quit your job tomorrow. You look at the natural, you'll drive right past that house. 
God will ever let the gas, the gas let out. That's why I'm going to start over. Y'all ain't never had? Okay, anyway. See, you, you, when you look through spiritual eyes, you'll realize you're actually further than you, realize, than you think. When you look through the spiritual eyes, you got more working for you than against you. You got to look in the spirit. You can't look at the natural. Because the natural will scare you. The natural will have you in your house with the covers pulled over your head. The natural will shut, I mean, the natural will mess you up so bad that you just walk away. But when you put on your spiritual eyes, see, let me tell you something. When you keep going to church after all the adversity that happened in your life, you got to be looking in the spirit. Because everything in the natural says, stay home, go party, go get drunk, go get high, go to just tear it up one good time. But when you look in the spirit, you, you, get, you look beyond what you see in the natural and say, I know that God got more for me than what I'm living right here. I wish I had somebody right there that say, I'm looking in the spirit and whatever I'm living right now, get a good look at me. Because a year from now, I'm going to be further than I am right now. I wish I had somebody here on tonight that say, I'm looking in the spirit and it's looking a whole lot better than what it looks like in the natural number three the unredeemed mind is alienated and hostile to God the unredeemed mind is alienated and hostile to God the unredeemed mind is alienated and hostile to God Colossians the first chapter Colossians 1 Colossians 1, verse number 21. The unredeemed mind is alienated and hostile to God. Colossians 1, verse 21. You have a say amen? Colossians 1, verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Watch this. When, you, when your mind is not renewed, you will walk in deliberate and purposeful rebellion. Okay. Um, has anybody just ever looked at some of the stuff you've done and said, you know, I love God, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do. <laughs> when, when your passion and your excitement overrides you to the place where you just go into sin. Anybody ever been excited over sin? <laughs> I ain't got a real church tonight. Because, you know, here's what I've discovered. Passion and excitement will take, take you to a deeper seat and take hold of the intellectual powers that alienate you from God. You ever had something just take over? I mean just, I mean take all the way over. I mean just, just take all the way over. Like, you know, I'm going this way, but no, I'm going to go this way now because, you know, it's calling me. It's calling me. It's, it's pulling me. It's drawing me. It just takes complete control over you. 
Watch this. Because in an unrenewed state, you are anti-God. Yeah, yes you are. Did you know you could sing on the praise team and be anti-God? You can greet people at the door and be anti-God. But thanks be unto God for reconciliation. Because even when I was alienated from God, he reconciled me to him. In other words, I was no longer an enemy to God. God ain't trying to pay me back anymore. That when I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, watch this. The Bible says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and he did not count me, count my sins against me. Could you imagine where you would be if God counted your sins against you? I need to go ahead and do this. I need you to take five seconds and thank God that God did not count your sins against you. Okay, that didn't mean nothing to you. But is there anybody in here that say, if he would have counted the stuff I did and I'm still doing against me, I would have been wiped out a long time ago. But I thank God for reconciliation that he didn't count my sins against me. It's number four. The unredeemed mind is futile. The unredeemed mind is futile. The unredeemed mind is futile. Psalms 94. The unredeemed mind is futile. Psalms 94. The unredeemed mind is futile. Psalms 94, verse number 11. Psalms 94, verse number 11. If you have it, say amen. amen. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. Let me read a New Living Translation. The Lord knows people's thoughts, that they are worthless. All your thoughts, worthless. The unredeemed mind, all your thoughts are worthless. Now, I say, God, that's a little strong, you know. Dang, I can't think nothing good. Watch this. Because what he's saying here in another translation, it says that your thoughts are vanity. Okay? What that means is your mind is so on you that it can't be on nothing else. Your mind's on riches of this world. So you're trying to secure, the, you, you, you on, I'm trying to secure the bag. So your life becomes a definition of just trying to secure the bag. Okay? Um, or your mind becomes on things that are malicious and hurtful. Yeah. Do you know there's people in here that your mind is so full on how to respond to people? So if they say this, I'm gonna say that. He says, vanity, that 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 kind of thinking comes to nothing and has and is without effect. See, we get consumed with things that put our eyes on ourselves instead of on on what God has for us. We get distracted, watch this, by self and flesh. Self and flesh. I, let me tell you something. I'm, you know, 39, I'm going to be 40 next year. Okay? Um, and I'm getting to the place right now that I can't have one-sided relationships that is always, always about you. Um, 
I don't, you know, I don't require much. I don't, you ain't got to call me every day. I don't have to sit on the phone with you for hours. I got stuff to do. Um, but I, I, I have to make sure that I'm in relationship with people that, okay, you say what you got to say. Okay, let me say what I got to say. You ever been on the phone with somebody that no matter what, they, what you tell them, they know how to turn that conversation right back to them? Because sometimes as people, we can get so stuck on ourselves that we can't see anything beyond us. So watch this. Let me say this. This is how people end up living in offense. Because you are so consumed by you that you have built yourself up to a place that if people don't come at you the way that you think you are, now you're offended. So you're offended by everybody and everything. Because it's always, always about you. Maybe I didn't see you. You ever thought about that? Maybe I wasn't feeling good on that day. Can you give me a little grace? Or is grace only extended from the throne of God to you and you only? Touch your neighbor and say, get off of you, get off of you, get off of you. Touch him again and say, you'll free yourself if you get off of you. Yeah, you'll get freed up. Because if it's always about you, no wonder you're so burdensome. The weight of you is heavy. I said the weight of you is heavy. You are wearing you out. It ain't your enemy. You wearing you out. Ain't your boss. You are wearing you out. Okay. Have you ever gotten tired of yourself? I ain't got no real people tonight. I was in my house. This was, this was a while ago. I was in my house one day and I said, I'm sick of you, Philip. Let me go in the other room. Oh, you there. Okay. I know y'all don't have them kind of thoughts and talk to yourself like that. Get your thoughts off of you and put your thoughts, your mind on Jesus. Uh, number five. Number five, the unredeemed mind is set on the things of the flesh. The unredeemed mind is set on the things of the flesh. Romans 8, verse number 5. Romans 8, verse number 5. The unredeemed mind is set on things of the flesh. Romans 8, verse number 5. number five you have to say amen those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires the mind governed by flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace life and peace I ain't got no peace okay what's your mind set on because the Bible says if your mind is set on the spirit, you, you will have life and peace. Verse number seven, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Watch this. When your mind is not, when your mind is not renewed, ladies and gentlemen, the mind is controlled by the sinful nature. 
the human heart, the human mind is set on sin. You ever had your dial set on sin? Because see, when you, when you set on sin, watch this, you seek things, watch this, number one, that make you happy, or number two, make you feel good. I said make you happy or make you feel good. I said when you set on sin, it, you, you go after things that make you, and, and that make you, okay. So our thoughts will work in that direction. So my thought is always going to be in the direction of what makes me happy and what makes me feel good. This is why you can't get in relationships with people that ain't got the spirit. Because they will only want you as long as you make them happy or make them feel good. I gave my all. Honey, they, listen. It was flesh. The moment you start making them happy and the moment they stop, you start making them feel good, they ain't want you no more. Lord, send me somebody that's in the spirit. See, the mind governed by the flesh is death. It is hostile to God. It will not submit to God's law, and it can't. It is impossible to please God in this realm. But the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. Watch this. Lord said this to me earlier, and I, this, 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 this phrase just messed me up. The problem with the saints is we want to be sick of sin, but we don't want to be dead to sin. We want to be sick of sin, but we don't want to be dead to sin. The Bible don't say you for, you, for you to be sick of sin. He said be dead to it. I'm tired of always doing this. I'm always falling. I'm always messing up. Because it's just sick. It ain't dead. Because the moment that God tries to kill it, you go and resuscitate it. So you answer the text message. Come here. You go resuscitate it. He shut down your plans. You just call somebody else. You sick of it, but you ain't dead to it. He send you a little money. And you just waste that. You sick of it, but you ain't dead to it. You sick of being broke, but you ain't dead to being broke. And he tired of you just being sick of it. I'm tired of living like that. God said, I am too. <laughs> he said, die. Die to it. Be dead to it. And I taught you this before. You have to reckon yourself as dead to it. You have to tell yourself I'm dead to it. Because you're just sick of it. You give it antibiotics. Get up. Servant, heal thyself. He said, stop lifting it back up. Mm -hmm. Delete the picture out your phone. Unsubscribe to them. Get them off your timeline. See, I don't like this. Because you just want to be sick to sin, but you don't want to die to it. You don't want to go through the painful death of it. Because, see, when something dies, you grieve over it. 
I don't know why I'm always crying because you're grieving over it. God killing it. Somebody told me, I'm tired of coming to freedom and crying all the time. I used to say that was water in your blessing. I'm changing it now. No, he's just killing you. Die. Die. Go ahead and die. I know it's old school. I, I know. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I can't help myself because I'm old school like that. You just got to die to it. 